culture garbage bill how was your week my friend uh did pretty good it's a pretty quiet week uh just getting all uh psyched up for halloween and stuff like that um have you guys gone pumpkin hunting yet no we're not i don't think we're gonna do the pumpkin thing this year uh last year three pumpkins spontaneously grew in our yard despite us not in like provoking that or wait how does like, that happen to cause that to happen because it, it seems someone like someone it would be pretty difficult for, uh, like, uh, pumpkins to kind of, like, sneakily grow anywhere. I Probably someone, uh, the homeowner, the prior homeowner, left an old Halloween pumpkin to rot or something. Yeah. And the seeds took root. But, yeah, it was pretty funny. How so big did the pumpkins having, get? Uh, well, we killed them, because, or we plucked them when they were only maybe about, you know, a good desk gourd size. Oh, really? So. Aww. When, how long ago yeah. was that? Uh, that was a while ago. So but you think they could have actually turned we... into proper, like, jack-o'-lantern uh, pumpkins if you'd let them grow? Probably. Probably. Yeah. But after our accidental gift of pumpkins, I've been, uh, I've been keeping it slide. Yeah, I don't know, we, uh, we haven't really been doing much to prep for Halloween. I've decided what I'm gonna be for Halloween this year, though. What are you gonna be? I'm gonna be a lumberjack. Which I'm really excited about because I have an excuse now to go to Pendleton, says Foley, and get a really nice lumberjack shirt. And I'm going to make a beard that's going to attach to my glasses. And oh, then yeah? Hey, it's going to be pretty great. It's going to be pretty great. So you're not going to be a lumberjane, though? No. Okay. I can't wear a beard then. Why would I even bother? So, wait, so are you, you guys going to a party or anything? It's... No. Oh, okay. You're just going to stay. Is, you're just going to wear that while handing out candy? I work. I work in an office, which means that you can wear desk costumes to an office. I'm gonna wear that. And uh, yeah, just give out candy and shit. No. So. Oh. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah. I'm thinking about having people over for not like a, quite a Halloween party, but at least some kind of like let's watch a horror movie kind of shindig kind of thing. But I, I have to. I, I have two weeks to figure it out. But I need to figure out that soon because I can't be like the night before it happens. Like, hey guys, come over to my house. We watch Freddy Krueger movies. Man, people keep asking me about watching horror movies, and it just reminds me how much I don't like horror movies. I don't movies. know anyone who likes to watch horror movies now. It's totally fucking bumming me out because, like, it's just, like, uh, it's just, yeah, no one, everyone's a pussy. It, ever, ever since I moved to Portland, everyone's just like, oh, I don't want to see anything with blood. And I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> Which is understandable. I mean, horror that... movies are an acquired taste. I, I, the older I get, the more I have a hair trigger, um, reaction to things that I think are, like, bad, quote-unquote, yeah. and there's, I just have a less and less patience for things that I'm not interested in, like, it's just interesting, the older I get, the less tolerant I am for things that I'm not down for, so, like, the only horror movie that I feel like watching right now is Ravenous, that's it. And that's with people eating and, each and, other. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah. violent, fucked up movie. It's funny that that, that well, like that's the thing is is that I, it's I really like Ravenous is the thing. My issue with horror movies is not their violence or gore levels. My issue is just that they're bad. <laughs> oh no, they are terrible. Like I could go for Ravenous. I'm trying to think. I could go for many... Alien. Yeah. Could, yeah, there's not many horror movies that you can objectively like say that are, like, good movies. Yeah, they stand on their own other than just, like, the... Well, see, I grew up in the 80s where, like, horror movies got really... Like, especially big horror movies got really fucking stupid. 
Um, not to say horror mm-hmm. movies in the 60s and 70s were a fucking class acts or anything like that, but, like, that's when you, you know, the Freddy Kruegers and the Nightmare... We're, we're, the Rise of the Slasher movie. That's co- what I kind of grew up on. So that's yeah. what I'm kind of used to. Yeah. Not to say all horror yeah. movies or Halloween movies have to be, like, bloody slash fests or anything like that, but... Yeah. Um, I mean, there's good suspenseful... You know, there's stuff like the or- Orphanato, the Orphanage and stuff, which are... There's good yeah. suspense movies you can watch at Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, with genre stuff, like, I just have a really low tolerance for things where you watch it and you go, eh, it's an X movie. Yeah. You know, any time where you have to, like, do that, I I struggle. Like, I kind of think, I kind of need things to be a quality experience, or at least an interesting experience, beyond just being a blank movie. See, especially, I have such strong nostalgia kind of like I, for like, like I was just saying for the 80s stuff. This year, very specifically, I almost want to have people over so we could watch, like, some Friday the 13th, some Nightmare on Elm Street, especially Nightmare on Elm Street, because those movies are so goddamn ridiculous. And it doesn't help that yeah. I just, like, just like two weeks ago, I watched the four-hour documentary Never Sleep Again about the whole Nightmare on Elm Street series, uh, which is actually mm-hmm. probably more entertaining than actually watching any one Nightmare on Elm Street movie, because yeah. it was just, like, great to see all these interviews with all these people involved in these movies acknowledging how ridiculous and awful these movies are, but still kind of talking about them. And I don't know, it was, it was pretty, sure, pretty cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Oh, that's, Man, so that's, of... yeah. So, like, are, Spe- like, would you watch anything like Hocus Pocus or anything? Are you even in the Halloween mood? No. No? I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm not really, to be honest that's with you. That's a bummer! Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't help with... Oh, well. It doesn't help with the world's already kind of scary and fucked up as it is with Gamergate and Ebola... And war. I mean, honestly, if China. I had a if I had a Halloween move, like party to dress up for, maybe that'd be one thing. Yeah. But at best, I have pals doing the thing like you're doing. We're like, yeah, maybe watch a movie, and I'm like, that's not really. I'm not gonna dress up to watch a movie. If at be- if if I'm gonna go over to anybody's house on Halloween to watch a movie, I will dress up as. A thirty-year-old woman in her pajamas outside. Of oh the no, house. you don't get dressed, you don't get dressed up to go like go watch movies or anything like that. You well, either that's have like a thing. Halloween party with costumes, or you just have people over to shoot the shit and watch movies. Yeah. But like you don't combine the two because that's I, uh, ridiculous. I the thing that I'm most excited about Halloween is the idea of costumes, but it's kind of moot without a reason to dress up in a costume. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The that's why that's why I thought maybe you're going to a party costume, or something so like that. It's hard for me Unless you just want to scare and freak out shit kids who are coming to for candy. That's always a good See, excuse I'm to not, dress up. I'm not interested in scaring children. That's just not really? my jam. Really? If I want to scare children, I'll be like, here's what your college tuition will cost. Or you just so, you just bring a gun. It's my top three. <laughs> sure. <laughs> or I can bring a gun. You just like, have you ever danced with, the, sh- with in... the devil in the pale moonlight for a Snickers bar? Uh, speaking of things, though I did, I did watch, uh, speaking of chill, what, scaring children, we have been watching, uh, some Gravity Falls. Yeah. Uh, which is sort of a seasonal thing. We, uh, we still haven't watched all of the first season. We watched, uh, the, uh, Gravity Falls did the thing where, on iTunes, where it split the season in half. So yeah. So the first ten episodes were one thing. So uh-huh. we only ever watched the first ten episodes. Uh, so we're now catching up, and we actually just last night saw the episode with the, uh, what is it called? The trick-or-treat, like, trickster spirits. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, or excuse me, the 
Summerween. That's what it was in Gravity uh, Falls. I, I kind of wonder how long, if they have a specific plan for how long that show is going to last, because supposedly it sounds like the whole show is supposed to take place over the course of the summer. I was actually just, uh, uh, night before last, I was watching a, one of the new season two episodes, and actually Dipper says something very specifically about how uh, their summer is halfway over. Um, hmm. So I, I don't know if maybe like Gravity Falls is only supposed to last for two seasons or what, but I don't know. But yeah, no, like, Gravity Falls is a good Halloween viewing for kids, though. It's, this, that's a really fun show, and yeah. that is, show is way more beautiful than it has any right being. Oh, yeah, no, the production design, like, the, especially the background art is fucking fantastic. Oh, this show is funny and, you know, well-written and stuff, too, but, like, yeah, no, it's definitely very, very pretty show to look at. Uh, good, like, monster um, design, and I love, like, all the design of all the cryptic books, yeah. and I just, yeah, Gravity Falls is amazing. Yeah, good it's music a nice, too. thoughtful show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The voice acting is really solid. And Mabel is always just so great. She's just a great cartoon character. Mabel is a really fantastic cartoon character. Every uh, every time we watch it, um, there's a running joke in my household that I am Mabel, which is not that. necessarily wrong. Would you? And, uh, how is it that you didn't dress for Mabel for Halloween? There are there are certain costumes that are just you are a normal looking girl. Like if I just wear a goofy sweater, at best I'll be the goofy sweater person. It's kind of like dressing up like um, a Tina Belcher or Liz Lemon. Yeah, where it's just like, congratulations, you're a brown haired lady. Oh, Mabel specific stuff. No, is specific enough though. You'd have to get like a pinkly, uh, 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 uh like a uh, uh, a sparkly star sweater, like baggy socks. Mabel- Mabel would only work as a costume if you had someone to do Dipper with you. Yeah, uh, and it's almost like you, you could have Mabel in a vacuum. If only you you were married to someone who likes to wear baseball caps. <laughs> the uh, Dipper Pines baseball cap that you can buy is not a very well made baseball yeah. cap. It has been rejected. Who would you get to know to play uh, Grunkle Stan? If honestly, if there were any character on that show that I'd be excited about dressing up as, it'd be Grunkle Stan. Uh, would, would I not be, make an okay Seuss? Uh, you would, Bill. Actually, really <laughs> I've got the again. teeth. I've got the teeth for it. <laughs> you just have to. You just wear. You actually, that'd be a great costume because you just get the hat and then a shirt that says staff on the back. Yeah, with a question mark on the front. Done. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No man. <sighs> anyway, Halloween's awesome. Um, it's still two weeks away, but yeah. Which does that uh, mean this is speak- like, like, wasn't our first episode an Halloween episode? So we, isn't this kind of like a quasi-anniversary of the podcast? I think it was. I think it was at the end of October. Yeah, so exactly. So this our, is like our third, third or fourth year? year or something like that. Yeah. Woof. So, well, I mean, this is like almost like episode 150. So yeah, it's, it's probably the third anniversary of the podcast coming up like next week or the week after that. Congratulations, all our listeners, for making it through the endurance jaunt that is oh, the yeah. podcast. <laughs> Speaking of genre things that I have very little patience of, I tried to watch the first episode of Outlander yesterday. What'd you think? How good Woof. was it? So wait, what was... my review of Outlander. It's not very good, but what was so especially horrible about it? I dislike it because it has so many things that I should enjoy. Yeah. And I just do not. Like, I had issues with it from the very start. The very first scene is the protagonist looking in a shop window at a vase. And she's thinking, what would happen if I had bought that vase? What would my life be like? What if I had bought that vase? And I'm just sitting here going... What the fuck does the vase... I want an outline. 
Highlander viewer or fan to tell me if the base has any emotional significance to merit the first episode circling around it. Not she's not distracted by a vision of a happy family or like maybe a child in a playground or even a wife happily like walking down the street with her husband or making a pie in their house. No, it's a fucking vase. What if I had made a home for that vase? What if that was the path I had walked down from the start? The yeah, show I don't think there's much uh, much more thought put into that than than you're you're giving a little that that vase a little bit too much credit. It's just, and it made me so mad because I like the idea of like the premise of the show is all it took was the vase just for you to ru- totally ruin you and Outlander forever. That was just, that well, is the reason for the first yeah, warning sign. It, it's literally the first scene, and it was not a good way to start the show. I mean, to be a show that's about romance, it because it is not a show about this woman's. I don't know. I I have trouble with the. So, it's not quite... She has some agency in that she is a woman with skills. She is a nurse. In fact, she's a work nurse during World War II, is the premise. And she and her husband have been separated for five years by the war. And they're getting, you know, they're getting... They're finally taking some time together. After the war, they haven't really spent time together. And uh, they go to um, beautiful, beautiful scenic Scotland and blah, blah. He's a historian, so he can mansplain everything in her. It's just... (laughs) I like that. I like that she's a nurse, so she has skills that are applicable, and you know that allows her to have some agency and to be a character more than just a useless damsel. But uh, it's just there is nothing. It, it's a, there are some things that are so close to something that I would enjoy that every way it kind of veers off, even just slightly from that. It, I am way more sensitive to. Mm-hmm. I don't really like the writing. I don't. I like the way it is shot and filmed. That's fine. Yeah, that's like pretty I like enough the costuming. Yeah. Even though they did like one thing that was just like so when she is sent back in time, the costume she is wearing miraculously is this white dress with like a little button at the throat that kind of did. There's so there's like a little bit of gap and then a button that keeps it and like a shawl. And as soon as she is sent back in time, oh no, she loses her shawl. Oh no, the button comes undone, and it looks like a ye oldie shift. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just like there's just shit like that. Where I was like, ugh. And also, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I, as a female viewer, really struggle with. When you go back in time, would women have to deal with sexual assault? Of course. Do I want to see that in my media? Do I enjoy it? Sexual assault is a real thing that I, I and people I know have had to deal with in my life. I don't need it in my... my I, well, I, also, I it's the very sort of first thing that happens to her, too. She's literally in the past for 30 literally. seconds and it's the first thing that happens to her. Literally. Yeah. It's like, the thing about sexual assault is that, oh, it adds gritty realism. Go fuck yourself. I do not... Anytime you introduce a historical drama with sexual assault, I lose interest. It's realistic, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it's well, just Well, and not, also, I mean, it, that, that, I mean, that... Is that a romance novel trope, too? Not necessarily uh, uh, rape, but, like... Not... I do not read those romance novels. Okay. I'll just say that. I, I, I know women who that like that's 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 an aspect of the that's part of the ritual of the like the romance, the, especially like historical 
at least the threat is that that that's a dynamic that's in the that's in play for that stuff. I'm not. There is a big, big gulf, my friend, between uh, rape is role play and rape is actuality, and yeah. there it, books have to be very careful in towing that line, and media has to be very careful in towing that line. There has to be a certain amount of respect and intellectual consciousness, and it is not. I have read books that have played with that, and that is not. I was just pissed off and turned off immediately by the show. I don't know. Outlander is... I, I want to really enjoy any sort of women-oriented romantic fiction that allows sexuality to be an active part of it. But I was just so turned off by Outlander. I want to keep watching it, but a dear friend of mine was like, oh yeah, episode two gets even rapier. And I'm like, great. That's just not, not my jam. I think especially just, like... Ugh. I think, like, maybe the last episode, because I think they've only aired, like, the first half season, and but they're going to air, like, the other half of the season, like, sometime, like, early next spring or something like that. I, I don't know why they're splitting up into two different half seasons, but I think, like, the, little, the last episode of this half season is very specifically, like, I think the lady gets cornered, and I think it is a whole episode just about her and Mr. Rapey Dude. And it's all, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. So. Man, I have a hair trigger reaction to that no, shit. That's, that's... Women have enough to deal with in real life that, you, it, and like I said, it is absolutely a thing that people can navigate and that's fine. Yeah. But when you, de- you can't well, use that as an excuse. That's like saying, people like spanking. We're going to get spanking in a show while yeah. people do the BSDME stuff, right? That's how you kids say it. Let's do the thing. Well, on the flip side of the coin, between... I mean, some women, A, are into that stuff. So, I mean, this is a series actually written by... Well, the, the show isn't written by a lady, but it's, for, but it's based off a series of uh, books written by a lady. And I've known some women who have pretty much had the exact same... Ta- uh, pretty much the opposite reaction to you in terms of, like, sexual assault and fiction where they... Not that they necessarily get off on it, but they think it's bullshit to, like, pretend it didn't exist and it becomes a part... Like, I don't know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really just everyone's I... taste. Yeah... I, I'm just saying that it's there's difference between when your objective is to have gritty historical fiction. If you want to say, well, I want to depict the realities of the time, you would do a heck lot more than depict sexual assault. I feel like it is a, a it is a it is kind of laziness to say, well, it's historically accurate when it's not necessarily. Well, I'm not even a, defending it like, oh, it's historically accurate. I, I'm just saying some women that's actually part of the fantasy for them. I'm not saying that that justifies... <sighs> uh, that, that, not saying that overrules anyone else being squicked out by it, but I'm just... I, but then again, as a, as a white guy, I don't like I'm as an observer of all this. I don't know what's going on, but it's it's I, as, as strongly as you're reacting against that facet of the show. I've seen other people actually applaud it, and some women like that, and it, not even See, in this specific piece of fiction, but in other. I don't know. It's 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 yeah. I don't know. What it's I'm com- trying to it's tell almost you, like Bill, sex is complicated. What I'm trying to tell you, Bill, is that I think that that can hand be, be handled well. Yeah. And I have read things and seen things that have handled it well. I don't think that handled it well. Uh, that is what. At I'm least there's no airlocks say. for anyone to get blasted out of in the show. <laughs> I'm just I'm just really annoyed by the show because it's so close to things that I am into, yeah. and for it then to be things that I'm not into. I well, is there anything else you didn't like about? You... So you didn't like the opening, and you didn't like the sexual assault scene. What else? We're kind of get di- distracted just... by the one thing. Well, okay. So to be fair, I watched uh, the. So pilot. you hate Vase? 
vases and sexual assault. What else? Like, what's the... Uh, Yes. Yeah. Uh, We only watched the pilot and that sort of show where the gimmick, they have to get the gimmick out of the way. Yeah. Which is that she gets sent back in time. I feel like I shouldn't necessarily judge it all by it. But the way they handled the gimmick was so annoying to me. Why, how so? Like... To have the dude mansplain, like her husband is a historian, so I he's like, he just uh, has to be the expert about everything that she's gonna get stuck with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it's like, oh man, and then the actual way it all happened—it's just all annoying as hell to me. It's just like, uh, I almost wish, I almost wish that there had been like, I don't know. Like I said, I can't—you can't ding that sort of stuff for the MacGuffin because the MacGuffin is just the MacGuffin. It's just a device to get you from point A to point B and you gotta just kinda let it go. But it was just not not super great. No. I don't know. I don't know. I really like Graham McTavish. He has an excellent beard and mustache. Uh protagonist dude is not as annoying as I thought he was from the photos I saw. Uh I like I said I liked the nurse lady had agency. I kind of want to keep watching it just to see if it gets any better because, again, a pilot is not the way you're going to necessarily judge that sort of thing. Yeah. But, man, it just... I think if I am ever sick, I would watch it. So, I was... I I read the synopsis of what happens throughout the whole course of the books, and I was really surprised because I thought the whole... I can't even talk about it in case you decide to watch more and kind of decide... And the slim chance you decide to stick with the show, I don't want to say too much, but I was kind of surprised at the plot events that happened where it sounds like her mansplaining husband knowing all this stuff actually becomes more of a useful plot point later. Like, he just doesn't completely disappear from the story, at least from the books, even though, like, she gets cast off in the past and he's running around the present. Like, it sounds like there's going to be more stuff about him in the present and his knowledgeable... His knowledge about the past becoming more of a thing and, like... I don't know. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. If he's a historian and he's ex- he's researching the past in the area, and she, if there is any sort of logic to their time travel, then he could the- theoretically find things that are ref- def- reflecting her in the past and blah yeah. blah, blah, blah blah. I get it. Um, I don't know. But it's Brutus too. It is Brutus from Rome, which is pretty funny. But all 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 three thousand of his teeth and. <laughs> That guy does have a mouthful of teeth. There's a thing that I am I struggle with as a as a reader that I really want to like this genre fiction. I really want to like romance and I really want to find books that I'm really into, but my 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 standards are so weirdly high and specific that, mm-hmm. and I don't know why. I think it's because I'm not familiar with the genre that I had never read ro- a romance novel until like three years ago. That I have weird. So in my brain, I'm like, well, do this and do that and do that. And then when I read a romance novel and it's all steeped in tropes and the writing isn't necessarily the best thing in the world and you can see shit coming a mile away and maybe the one thing I notice a lot in romance novels that at least this seems to be avoiding a little bit where is the um the female character is just a really cypherous character that is just so you can just be self-insertion yeah, in yeah, her yeah, yeah. and it's live through her vicariously through all these hot men's and, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I have weirdly exacting standards, and very rarely am I satisfied. So. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's the thing Outlander, with, with romance impressed. tropes and stuff, too, because, like, I've had plenty of feminist friends who, a lot, a lot of them would get upset about, like, the feminist tropes in those romance novels. Where I've, I've, I've had other feminist friends 
essentially kick back and say, fuck you, who are you to find me? I can, I can like whatever I want to like in these, you know, trashy romance stories. And so that's oh, yeah. why, no, uh, as, my, as a guy, I've my, learned never to, I'm not going to take on a stand on either side, but like I've learned to kind of know, know that there's another side of this where it's kind of empowering to be into the kind of like these kind of trashy stories and stuff like that. And so, yeah. I don't know. Well, I think again, it's all about the intelligence level of the writer. Like, yeah. I think I that's, read... that, that's more the defining thing than anything else. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm actually reading a book right now that's about these two characters and, um, it's something that from the outside could seem kind of Cro-Magnon-y and, uh, and like, meat-headed. Yeah. But the characters are all very self-aware okay. and intelligent about it, and they talk about it, and they navigate that. Again, there are smart ways to do it, and there are lazy ways to do it. And I get that a lazy way can be part of the fantasy, but it is hard for me to deal with that kind of lazy. Which that's totally I, I justified, too, exactly. Yeah, my yeah, characters. yeah. I need emotionally honest characters. Oh. I, I, I get. I have a better time with these sorts of books when a character is like self-aware enough to be like, you know what I really like? Fucking jelly donuts, as opposed to a fantasy where he walks into a dungeon <laughs> full of jelly donuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's my comparison. Foley's giving you a face like, what the hell? But I'm saying it's like it's there. Those are two very different approaches. Yeah, yeah there yeah. is straight up fantasy, which is fine. And some people Do want a story thing. where the world is made of nothing but jelly donuts. Yeah, yeah. It's just I'm just saying yeah, that's no, a totally yeah. fine thing. It's more interesting to me to have a character who is like, oh man, I'm really into don't chili donuts, and then finds a partner who's like, you know what, that's not really my jam, but let's talk about it and navigate this together, and then they have, then you have a jelly donut scene that's so much more emotionally impactful because of the journey and the dialogue and the characters. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm glad. Anyway. I mean, Outlander. So you, 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 uh, you can even try to watch more episodes? Like I said, if I am homesick, I will try to watch more Outlander. I want to like it. I want to like it. Oh, okay. I do. I really do. But, yeah. So yeah. far, not really. At least it's a pretty show. I like its title sequence. I, it's, I, I wish I didn't know that it was by Ronald D. Moore, because now I just keep noticing all the visual similarities yeah. with Battlestar Galactica. Also, your, your shit about and, the like, bass. musical cues. I listened to his commentary yeah. the, for, for the first episode, and he specifically points out the fact that that scene didn't exist that way in the original script and when they shot it. Uh, he just decided that there needed to be a little bit of footage before the main title sequence in the pilot. Because uh, originally the, the the episode just started off, you know, the credit sequence and then just tells the story and that's it. Uh, so he decided to cut out that one scene with her in the vase just to have a little bit of a, like, oh, just to pull you in because, like, why is she so wrapped up about this vase? Like, what's going to happen to her? And I like how his choice to kind of, like, oh, this is going to be my creative choice to draw the audience in makes Andy dig her heels in the ground and go, just, no. Fuck this. <laughs> yeah, so. It's oh, almost man. like you and Ronald D. Moore don't get together when it comes to fiction. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing, too. As a guy talking about a show that's being run by another dude, but it's based off a series of books written by ladies and stuff like that, I hate I hate to get involved too much in that conversation because I don't, I don't know. I try to be a good ally for, for sensitive stuff, but then, like, I don't want to become like, well, here's my opinion about the shit written by ladies <laughs> for ladies. Well, I will throw this out here in Outlander's defense. 
And uh, I'm curious also about the Fifty Shades of Grey movie yeah. uh, for the same reason. So much of this sort of bullshit in a romance novel is about the emotional and mental state of a character at any given time. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing to some degree with The Hunger Games. Part of the reasons why Hunger Games as an adaptation suffers is because you don't know what's going on in Katniss's brain at any given moment. Like, she is a person who is having to put on an appearance for the outside world while she has a lot of bullshit going on internally. And you, it's really hard to depict that visually. So uh, I'm curious. To, a romance novel is so much about your feelings and your internal landscape and your thoughts and your emotions and you know you'll have a thing in this really common in romance novels where the perspective bounces from one character to the other because it's all about their mental state and how they're feeling and their thoughts in that moment so uh outlander has a hell of a thing ahead of it but yeah i don't know i i'm, I'm struggling with it no, guys, i'm what? struggling Man, we just spent like what? half an hour talking about fucking outlander a show you don't even like and all i've only seen one episode of well, again, it's interesting because I feel like I am more critical of it because it is something I am emotionally invested in. Yeah, that sucks, know? especially if you know if it was just a little bit different, you could actually be, yeah, you could really kind of be down with it, but yeah. It's kind of like how I feel about, um, uh, like, lesbian TV shows or something like that, uh-huh. or like lesbian movies to some degree, where I feel like I should, to some extent, just, you know be grateful that I'm consuming it. Like, I, I feel like I don't have the luxury of being picky or critical because that's all I'm going to get. Uh-huh. It's like, again, it's like, I really want steak dinner, but I'm getting beef jerky, and I should just be grateful I'm even getting beef jerky, but yeah. I want a steak dinner. So anyway, that's enough of me talking about that, Bill. Tell me about uh, uh, the horror movies that you watched this week. Not nothing to do crazy. I thought I was... I don't know why I even put this on the list, because I thought I was going to have something more profound to say uh, about this stuff. But yeah, just because it's uh, we're creeping up on Halloween, I just got started watching all my Halloween movies again. Uh, have you ever seen American Werewolf in London? I feel like I ask you this every year. I have not. Oh I'm man, not. you should check it, it out. It was screening because... at the Hollywood, and I wanted to go see it because I it's... felt like seeing it thirty-five millimeter in a theater would be the way to do it. It's one of their horror movies. It's not super bloody. There, a lot of people get torn up in that movie, but it's not like it, it's a weird little Twilight Zone episode of a movie. And I kind of wonder if yeah. you might kind of like it because it's it, well. The, the other thing is, is it's actually really funny. It's as much of a not like a wacky comedy, but it's as funny as much as it is kind of scary. And it's it is can can be gruesome in parts, but like it's something about the tone of that movie. Like it's got kind of got 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 this weird kind of melancholy that I wonder if you not might might kind of respond to. Um, I think yeah. actually maybe it's more just real, where me thinking about that while watching the movie this week is why I put it on the list just to kind of poke you towards like hey if you get, if you get a moment you want to want to check that out. Um, that may be one of those movies, though, where despite all those characteristics, because it's about werewolves, I want it to be more than it is. <laughs> well, you get a guy turning into a wolf. I mean, there's a couple guys in that movie that turn into wolves. And you also you get a super hot British lady who's a nurse who she does not fall back in time. Um, but <laughs> you also get Frank Oz showing up out of the blue and like that. And, and the plot is not very complicated. It really is. Dude gets bit by a wolf. He gets really, he doesn't think he's going to turn into a werewolf, but he turns into a werewolf, kills a bunch of people, and then the end of the movie. That That is the literally movie <laughs> that takes place over over the course of like three days. And that is, it was yeah. seriously, and that's not even a so simplic, simplification of the plot. That is it. Um, 
but yeah no like even the lady he falls in, nurse lady he falls in love with i always kind of thought she was like a cute little character and her the actress who plays her is really funny ah it's, it's just i don't know this is me just saying check out american werewolf in london i i should watch it it's one of those things that i feel like is seminal enough that i'm genuinely missing out in some uh, cultural touchstones also yeah. i watch way too much teen wolf to not say of course i'll watch oh, after watching so much uh, Teen Wolf, because I'm sure the special effects and the werewolf transformations in, in Teen Wolf are a lot better than the one, because the, the werewolf stuff, the actual transformation stuff in American were, uh, Werewolf has aged so badly. But See, that's what I'm saying about my concern about American Werewolf in London. I'm really critical of werewolf transformations. I really hate it when um, a werewolf uh, is, like, kind of slick and... Uh, kind of fleshy as opposed to furry so i'm i'm always weirdly critical of werewolves that are more uh fleshy or even slick like literally like moist than hairy (laughs) so what you don't like those no you don't like werewolves that are more frog than they were wolf issues with the lichen and the underworld series where they're like yeah. big like fucking moist lizard people well technically should they be just turning into wolves and well, see, not like I eight guess, foot tall greasy men i guess the argument you can make is see my thing is that i'm fine with lizard people but lizard people gotta be a lizard p- person if you're a werewolf yeah exactly well, make the bit. most of what you are don't be a half-assed hybrid i guess you could make the argument that Something like the the advantage of the American Werewolf in London sort of werewolf is that the hair that is present on the human body becomes more exaggerated as opposed to yeah that's exactly what happens yeah so is that what happens in Teen Wolf too? Uh, Teen Wolf they shift a little bit they do they do kind of uh, they start out with kind of slick and moist and damp leaf sort of furry and then they improve significantly they wind up essentially looking like the vampires on buffy but with chops what yeah yeah and no you know the the werewolf in american werewolf in london turns into a giant bear size wolf dog like bear big very burly Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's not just a person looking like Eddie, like greasy Eddie monster. <laughs> but anyway, I'll have to give it a shot. It's one of those things that's such a seminal sort of film that I need to partake of it at some point. So Man, on Reddit this week, someone had posted, they, they went to the, I guess the Harry Potter studio tour, which I think is the same thing Maxwell Motley uh, went on like last year. She, she had some photos from that too. And the same person went to the same thing where they had a bunch of props and exhibits, uh, on 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 display and one of the things they had in display was like the uh remus lupin werewolf oh yeah like i guess the big puppet they used for part of that because obviously in the movie is mostly cgi but i guess maybe yeah. they had a puppet and i forgot like that was one, that was one of the worst yeah. goddamn movie werewolves because remus lupin is great harry potter is great but man that was a shitty fucking werewolf it was impressively um, bad but yeah, no, wolves, man. If you're gonna be a wolf, I can see the point. Like, you want to become a sexy boner wolf, not like some greasy lizard, skinny, 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, see, I could totally see the appeal uh, and being uh, attracted to, 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 to werewolves because it is very kind of like, you kind of want an exaggeration of kind of like the bestial, human, mammalian, hairy, oh, musky, not, that kind of thing. I'm not even necessarily yeah. talking about attraction. I'm just saying that I think Oh, that but I'm just saying, though, if you are moist, talking about that from like, like yeah, from the attraction point of view, yeah. A, a moist werewolf whole point, is a weird choice to make. And a lot of people <laughs> make it, and I don't okay, get so it. Okay, so we know what this week's episode title is, Moist, moist Werewolf. Moist Werewolf, there we go. Anyway, yeah. Bill, tell me about the other movies you've been watching, boy. Oh, uh, no, I just cracked open my Universal Blu-ray box set, so I've been watching lots of Dracula and Frankenstein. Did you ever watch any of those before, like, you know, the old-school black-and-white stuff? Nope. Like, actually, because I never really did, too, because, like, everyone knows about that stuff, and maybe you'll catch up passingly on TV or something like that, yeah. but it's interesting to actually sit down and watch. It's funny, because I don't even actually watch the movies themselves. I always just watch them with the commentaries that are on the Blu-rays. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, because they, they work as pretty much silent films. Sure. Um, but it's just like I always talk about that every year. The the the, 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 the watching those movies, but it's just yeah, kind of nice nostalgic. Draculas, man, those movies are terrible. <laughs> they're all they're, they're so icon like iconic, but like that, especially the first like the dra- like the the movie that really started off the whole Universal horror cycle with the, the the first Dracula movie is fucking boring as shit. It's only like an hour long, but it feels like twelve fucking hours, and <laughs> it really is like bats on rubber strings, and yeah, it's 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 pretty fucking rough. Frankenstein is actually more interesting just because the story's a little more interesting rather sure. than just being old dude sucking on necks so, you know think about god and stuff like it also karloff is just such a better monster too yeah. he's much more sympathetic and stuff like that but i talk about that shit every year but yeah so god knows i'll probably be here next week talking about the next round of horror shit i watch i'll probably end up what watch more universal stuff and man i like i keep on hearing people talk about there's a movie that came out called oculus huh. starring amy pond from doctor who which is supposedly really really good um the nostalgia critic online he came out uh, with a list this week of the top 11 new horror classics Mm -hmm. what he's talking about is like uh, the movies that were kind of becoming the new everyone's kind of like this generation's kind of default halloween viewing and uh, one of the things he points out in there is saw even though he points out like he doesn't like the saw movies he just acknowledges the fact that like saw is that that whole saw series is kind of becoming everyone's kind of default halloween movie stuff you know, kind of like the same way the Freddy Krueger and Nightmare on Elm Street were, like, you know, 20 years ago, 30 yeah. years ago. And have you, I, I take it you've never seen any of the Saw movies, huh? Oh, fuck no. Well, it's got Carrie Elways, which I didn't realize until I was watching this nostalgia critic thing. Carrie Elways is the star of, I think it's the first Saw movie. He's also I in think he has Disney's Saw. live-action Jungle Book movie. That's not a reason to oh, watch really? it. <laughs> So Carrie always is not an automatic stamp of stamp of quality in anything. Okay, but uh, yeah. So anyway, there's supposedly one of the movies that uh, Nostalgia Critic talks about is this movie. I've actually heard from other people too. Is Oculus? It's about this brother and sister who uh, they come into possession of this haunted mirror that like will help them solve like the mystery of their parents' death or something like that. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's. It sounds like it's supposed to be more of a suspense movie than a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just. I'm trying nice. to find some new horror stuff, especially if I can find suspense stuff. Because like, yeah. I love horror movies, but I don't like. I'm not like a like a like a gore fiend. I, like, it doesn't have to be gory to be good. I just want to mm-hmm. see good scary stuff. I really the only horror movie that I've seen recently that I enjoyed was Your Next. Um, Which one's Your Next? Your Next is. Oh, Your Next! I watched that this week. I like Your Next a lot. 
I like the protagonist, I... and uh, I like all the gore except for one moment of cartoonish gore that almost ruined the whole movie for me. Which one was that? Where she puts a blender in the villain's yeah. head and turns it off. <laughs> yeah, that lady had it coming. That was some Looney Tune shit. But yeah, that was well. That was the guy and the, the, his his as accomplice. Do we do we have to worry about spoiling your next? Well, yeah, I don't really want to talk about the spoilers because I enjoy. I mean, the, the plot of the movie is not what it, the thing. It's really more about this character enduring. But the movie is pretty. To say it's grounded is a little too far, but it's based. No, in it's certain, a goddamn Looney Tunes cartoon movie. It's not a full on Looney Tune until that moment. That's when it turns it, into... Well, that is the most Looney Tunes, but I do like how... The, it's it's about this dinner party that's attacked by a bunch of... Well, I, even saying that it's a bunch of crazy guys is actually spoiling it. Because at first you think it's just one crazy guy attacking this dinner party, then you find out it's actually a bunch of guys. That's... In, like, could, in these animal could, masks. It is about an assault on a dinner party. And what Which, I think part of the reason why I wasn't that impressed by the movie is because as a kid, I remember seeing that there was an Australian movie called Fortress, which was about a bunch of dudes in animal masks attacking this... Uh, this this one room uh, school out in the middle of the outback, mm-hmm. and I remember that movie scaring the hell out of me. And I kind of wonder if if that movie didn't inspire this to some degree because it's about a bunch of uh, yeah crime guys attacking like you know like and there's a, like a super badass Australian lady fighting back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the other things about that about your next is like. Of this dinner party, the, there's this one lady who fights back, and she ends up becoming the hero of the movie. And, like, for some reason, she's got all these crazy, like, survival skills that they, they, they don't explain yes, until, like, do. the movie's mostly over. Yeah. She's like, offhand, like, oh, I was raised by survivalists. But, like, she's so much more smarter and better put together than everyone else becomes, like... It just, like, totally just doesn't seem realistic. Like I said, it seems, like, very kind of cartoony about how how super badass and how she's almost, like, already psychologically prepared to deal with the situation she is. And there's a, there's a further plot twist beyond that where that gets explained very ham-fistedly. I had a good time watching the movie. Again, horror movies don't have to be very expertly put together, but I, I just thought I, the seams in that movie kind of I'm like, sorry you had a bad bonkers. time. I have to ask you, how many militant survivalists do you know? That's what I'm saying! And she just happens to be the one militant no. survivalist who gets invited to this party? I'm just saying, I know some militant survivalists, not to put too fine a point on it, a married one. <laughs> she literally says, that was oh, not, by the way, I forgot to mention, I was raised by militant survivalists. <laughs> I'm just, that was the okay, part okay. that I enjoyed because the reason why I my wife struggles with horror movies and shit is that to some degree she's always like, that's dumb. Don't do X, do Y. And like I feel like that movie is full of all these dumb white people who are kind of like your standard horror movie characters. And then the character who is essentially like the person who you're always shouting at a movie with like, don't open that door! And they open the door. She's the person she- who doesn't open that door. And but I could like if they had established her as being that better off at the beginning of the movie, it isn't until like things start to go wrong that for some reason she just suddenly like, okay, well, this is how we're gonna fix this one, this is how we're gonna do that, and it's like, what? Like I was distracted from most of the movie thinking like, why is this lady like super powered? Where where it was everyone else in the movie is such a fainting pussy. It's just such a weird gulf between her and the rest of the characters. And if they had explained at the beginning, actually, if they had started the movie with her showing what a badass she was, so you're just waiting for people to fuck with her, that would have been better. Rather than just her, like, for most of the movie, not being... 
If What's that was that? like if it, a movie that's about a woman, okay, here I will say that I can't help but be a woman watching this movie, and to be a woman watching a movie where a woman is victimized and instead of just being victimized and dying, fights back unexpectedly, that is way more powerful to me than a movie where it's like it's kind of like if you started Ripley or like Alien with Ripley, like you know exploding a, 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 a spacer full of, like, prisoners or something. Or, like, Although like, an alien, you already know that she has, like, a kind of an inner steel, so you're kind of already kind of rooting for her to start fighting my, the aliens. Because, like, she's going to get pushed against the wall, but you know she's going to push back and it's going to be great. My point is that, to me, the power fantasy is a person who you... A woman who you think will be a victim like everyone else who is actually stronger and overcomes. That, to me, but is more powerful the old, than... The other take, though, if you're going to have the lady kind of, like, gradually show up to be a badass, if, they, if you kind of show her kind of gradually rising to the occasion, that's, that's the other... Th- take you that, that that's the other take you can do on on that but they don't show her rising she's already the moment she batshit starts to go down she's already like okay we're gonna do this and do that and the fact that there's no context given for that until literally at the end of the movie she's like oh yeah by the way i already i'm, I'm a super survivalist i already know this stuff and it's just like ah i uh, just kind of agree to disagree on that one bill i, I no, that was what i fun, enjoyed yeah. about the movie was that there's some creative ass deaths in that movie though there's some horrible shit there's like there's this shit with piano wire and like I was like oh my god this movie's fucked up but man seriously if you like that go check out the movie Fortress it's like a movie from like 1985 about yeah a bunch of criminals in animal masks attacking this schoolhouse and this and the the, the, the teacher has to fight back and pretty much oh man there's this dude with a black duck mask he's kind of becomes the major villain in the movie and he's a fucker and just like ah anyway. Uh, Bill, uh, do you have anything else to say about horror movies? No, I don't. I'm okay. tired. Uh, there's a new Legend of Korra this week. We finally got to see old Toph in all her glory. Yeah! It was Spoilers. amazing. Old, old cranky Toph. Old cranky Toph. Who doesn't give a shit about Korra? <laughs> I wish the whole episode, every time they come back to the new prince, I was like, oh man, I'm bored. Just come back to Toph. Well, I want to see what's going on with Toph. Yeah, I, I mean, like it's, it's not surprising to find out that she doesn't give a shit about Korra, but yeah. I was so good, though I do like the, the power, uh, I, I really did like the ballsiness of the what's-her-butts takeover from the Earth King. Oh, oh like, yeah! She's in Republic City, she's not even in her place of power. She's yeah. at the coronation of the deposed king, and she just shows up and goes, uh, Fuck all y'all. I'm the boss. And like, I'll take it she, over. She's still there. Like, it's not like she's like, peace out, and then rolls out. Like, and, yeah, no, and, she like, just sits down and says, okay, this is, this is my house now. It's amazing. It was so good. I, and I thought, to some degree, it was a realistic depiction of the rise of fascism and uh, how uh, blah, 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 blah. But I, People it was have really pointed out how all of her followers have the Hitler Youth haircut. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is you know, yeah, not 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 very subtle, but yeah. Bill, it's the um, legend of Korra. Subtlety is not its forte. But it's so much. It's funny how much Buttface McKinney's comics. The show now is kind of co- like to me, kind of like the fan fiction filling in the gaps between Buttface McKinney comics now. Because <laughs> like every episode that airs, she does comics about the legend of Korra, and they're just as entertaining as anything in the actual show. Um, especially now, yeah, like, all this top stuff is going on, but yeah. Uh, 
but Katie posted a great, uh, I guess it was a comic she had drawn, drawn like, last season. Uh, by, by, by last season, I mean, like, two months ago. Of what she thought, like, uh, Toph would be like now. And it's just Toph, like, watching, uh, I guess, Lin and Suyin kind of, like, getting into, uh, like, like uh, sparring off against each other. And then just Toph off on the side, just eating popcorn, just saying, boo! Yes! Boo! This is the worst <laughs> uh, fighting, this is the worst fight I've ever seen. Boo! And I just... So fucking stupid. It's I love how Toph is just a terrible person. She doesn't give a shit yeah. about anybody. It's so good. I hope she. I almost like his. That thing where I would imagine they're gonna have a little touching moment where she actually just says, "I do care about you, Cora." It almost be better if they don't even have that. She's just consistently yeah. like, "I don't give a shit. Just go out and do whatever you do. I'm just gonna sit here with my vines eating soup." Fuck you. I'm yeah, not leaving my house. I know house. that is inevitably gonna happen, but I do. I wish that they would just let her be a crank in the woods. Yeah. Oh, um, anyway, yeah. So, Legend of Korra still cracking. Yeah, Kuvira, man. Oh, man. Yeah, she's great. I really think that Zelda Williams is doing a really good job voicing Kuvira. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, what's... Yeah, I'm just a little bit worried about how they're going to resolve this. Oh, yeah. Because how do you resolve the situation with a fist fight? Even if Korra suddenly shows up and kicks the shit out of Kuvira. It's kind of like the same thing with the Mon in the first season, but they kind of solved... Well, he doesn't get deposed with a fist fight. He ends up being run out of town when uh, she shows him that, you know, she shows off that, that he's an actual bender and all this bullshit is bullshit. Yeah. But, yeah, how does Kor defuse this whole situation? It doesn't seem to... I don't know how you end this end this this series. I think that this... I mean, the series, I feel like it has to end with Korra becoming more than a brute. It's yeah. kind of like... I feel like that's... Can she possibly solve it diplomatically? Maybe. Or, I, I mean, there's gonna be some sort of climactic violence to it, but, uh, yeah. like, it's, like, thematically, Korra has to be more than just a, a puncherino, I think. And that's that's the great thing about Kuvira, because she's not necessarily wrong. Do you really want that prince guy running the goddamn yeah. Earth Kingdom? Yeah. And it's shown that even if he was put in charge, you really wouldn't be running it. it he would just be, like, this puppet leader, so she's not wrong, and and wanting to take over and yeah i don't know but, it's just but like, legend of korra in, is not a show that like we said that does well with subtlety so i'm curious if they'll address yeah. that i hope they will they they make they're making king you to be such a wuss that i can only hope that uh you know they're gonna do something to you know, I don't know. yeah he does a beyonce dance it was amazing. I actually really liked all the humor with him in this episode. There was, was one shot where, like, Prince Wu says something to Mako, and Mako's making this twisted up, I can't believe it's not Butterface. Yes. Oh, it's so good. That, like, the design of that was just, yeah. Anyway, Legend of Korra is good. If you haven't seen it before, I feel bad for you because you've obviously shot yourself now. <laughs> it, anyway, so what else happened? Um, I, uh, oh man, Bill. Okay, to talk about Lego for just a second. You know that dumb haunted house set that neither yeah. of us bought because it was $170 and that's too much fucking money? Yeah. I am now trying to find it because I'm like, I don't know, maybe 170 is not so bad, but it's now officially out of print. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is going for, on average, about 375 275 to 375 Mm-hmm. Fucking kicking myself, man. Kicking myself. I, uh, like I said, I would have bought it. I would assume they would have kept it in stock for at least an extra month because it just went out of stock literally less than a month ago. And you think they would have kept that stock myself. until the end of Halloween? Ugh. But like, what is it called? The Haunted Mansion? Yeah. 
because like Hunters Foley, I saw yeah, last Switch week we were talking about how Foley had found it on Bricklink. Uh, um, uh, well, I had called um, uh, Bricks and Minifigs, and they're like, oh yeah, we think our Kentucky store has it. Give a call to the Kentucky store. So I called the Kentucky store, and they're like, oh yeah, sure, we got it right here. $375. And I was just like, oh. Oh, they're charging that cell. Where, really? Of course they are. They know, they're on Bricklink and oh, shit. Oh, that's right. They know the market value of shit. They're no dummies. Oh. So I was like, oh, thank you so much for that information, and hung up. <laughs> You should have just been like crazy. Oh man, I'm an idiot. Um, I, I have regrets. Oh, Bricklink actually shows you what parts are in each. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at uh, Bricklink.com, which you you're the, you showed this to me. Uh, this is what like reselling like website where it's, like you can get like. It's a it's both a catalog of all official Lego parts and sets in existence, but it's also a way for you to buy and sell those parts with an array of sellers. And it's usually, yeah. you can get the best market value for Lego parts on Bricklink. Yeah, it's just crazy. I just happened to click on something on the Haunted man uh, on the haunted House uh, entry on Bricks and uh, on Bricklink, and it just kind of showed me this whole, like, list of, like, exactly, like, the different bricks and how many of them you get in, in the box. Yeah, they'll tell you even, price. like, what extra parts you get in the box, and, yeah, you could theoretically yeah, no, buy all those parts and download the inst- the instructions from lego.com, and I guarantee that you That seems to spend... be what they're kind of doing, yeah. They I have the recipe you, for the set. I guarantee you you will spend more than $375 doing it that way, my friend. Oh. Gu- guarantee it. As so someone, you think you might pull the trigger this week? What, 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 what's your price limit on this? Well, my hope is to spend $200 on it, which is unreasonable, so I just won't ever get it. That's what it's going to be. Oh, man. If just I can find that it. If either of us had pulled the trigger a month ago, we could have had it for, like, relatively cheap Killing price. Me. $175. Killing me. There's a lesson here, my friend. Anyway, in other words, Bill, tell me about the uncle who works for Nintendo. Uh, the uh, this is the first Twine game I've ever actually beaten. That's the only reason I'm putting this on the list. It's a Twine game about, uh, you go over to your your best friend's house to play Nintendo because he has a Nintendo system and you don't. And uh, he, the big thing is that his uncle claims to work for Nintendo, so this kid's got all like these brand new Nintendo games that haven't been released on the street yet. And while you're over there playing all these like. I think the game takes place in 1999, so it's it's not like 80s nostalgia. It's more like 19, you know, 1990s kids nostalgia, because like it's all like, oh, there's this new Zelda game that it's not on the street yet, but I'll let you play. And so like you're kind of playing the Ocarina of Time and stuff. But something happens where the uncle from Nintendo shows up, and it turns into a horror game. <laughs> and I don't want to spoil too much of it, but the uncle, for, the uncle, the titular uncle for who works at Nintendo, it turns out to be a ha. A not good thing, and it's a very short little twine game. It literally takes, I think you can blast through a playthrough of the game in like five minutes. But there's like eight endings. I got like two or the two or three of the endings. I have no idea how they, how to unlock the other endings. I'm I'm not used to playing twine games, so I'm not quite sure how this stuff works. Yeah, uh, it is cool that like this game. I don't know if this is this is how other twine games work, but once you beat the game, they'll they give the option to jump back to, like, a branching point that you could, like, use to, like, get to the other endings, which is nice, so you don't have to play from the very beginning all the time. Yeah, some toy games uh, do shit like that. It's not baked into yeah. the engine, though. It has very cool, like, sound design stuff, so as you're, like, kind of reading about how you're playing Ocarina of Time, there'll be a little bit of music of Ocarina of Time in the background, along with, like, you know, kind of environmental sounds, so it kind of sounds like you're hanging out in someone's basement playing. People are doing games, like, cool shit with Twine, I gotta say. Yeah. 
So, yeah, and like I said, uh, people don't want to hear me freak out about Nintendo anymore on the podcast. But, yeah, I just, yeah, just want to mention that because that was the first Twine game I beat, and it was a little fun little experience. And it was super short, like I said, like maybe 10 minutes to, from beginning to end. And so that was nice. Because, yeah. like, I played... Well, no, I beat... Was, uh... I hate... Oh, God, what's... What's the game about being on a Korean spaceship and everyone hates each other? Analog Hate Story and hate Analog Plus? Hate Story. I, that's right. I did technically beat that. Is that a Twine game? No. I know it's a text adventure. It's not. Twine is the engine. It's an HTML-based uh, adventure game. So just by oh, okay. the fact that you know. played it, downloaded it, executable, you did not play it. That was not a Twine game. Oh, okay. That's what it is. Okay, so that, that really was the first Twine game I've beat. So. And you need to write some Twine games. I have it downloaded. I've actually, I've noodled with Twine a little bit. I have, like, the start of a bad Twine game that I'm never going to finish. Uh, I also downloaded and started noodling with RenP this week, which is the engine, actually, that I think Analog Hate Story is built in. Also that uh, Hatful Boyfriend is made in. It's a visual novel oh, yeah. engine. So, noodling. I'm noodling. I was talking to Dylan this week. She got really sick, and so she was uh, hitting me up for, um, uh video game recommendations and i was like why don't you play how to how to boyfriend and she's like i just unlocked the final ending and i was like really i was surprised that she had not just played how to fool boyfriend but she had beaten it to the fact that she's gotten all the endings unlocked in that game how to fool boyfriend is it's a it's really easy to get to the different arcs if you uh there uh ren p has a built-in fast forward button so uh-huh. you can either you can have saves that are at branches and make different decisions, but you can also just fast forward through um, uh, all the dialogue and everything like that. But man, the ending of of How to Fool Boyfriend is twice as long as any of the actual playthroughs. It's amazing. Oh really? Yeah, the secret unlockable ending, and it also uh, explains the universe of How to Fool Boyfriend and ties together all the seemingly disparate uh, endings. It's amazing. It's so good. Did we talk about this on podcast? How it specifically is supposed to be post-apocalyptic? Like, yeah. is that confirmed? Oh, okay, we, yeah. Uh, Bill, play the game. The ending. Oh, okay. The we'll ending go. explores this at length. I'm just saying. I'm sorry. I'm busy looking up haunted house on eBay and Amazon just for shits and kicks. It's trust um, me, my friend. I've been doing this all week. I know. Now you just got me interested. Not not even if I found out, I wouldn't buy it because I just spent. So much money at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Hey, Bill, tell me about the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Tell me all about it. The Portland, it was, I hated it. I didn't spend any money, and I left after five minutes. I don't know why anyone... Hey, Bill, tell me about the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. (laughs) No, it it was pretty awesome. Uh, It was the first time I've ever had to leave an event after I realized my tendency to buy things was going to get me into deep 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 trouble yeah um i showed up there why well, this is the first time i've been to this uh gaming expo supposedly the portland retro gaming expo is one of the preeminent retro gaming expos in the country hmm. i don't know how long retro gaming expos have been a thing but uh it seems like according to the internet like the two big ones seem to be the seattle and the, and the portland ones not just because they're, they're local but uh hearing from other people other people from around the country talk about uh, old video game expositions. It sounds like these these two are really like big, big, big ones. Um, it really is. It's it's just a hall full of people selling old video games. The thing I didn't expect because when I think of retro games, I think of you know eight bit, sixteen bit video games. Uh, it's funny because you go there and you realize there's two crowds. There are the people like me who are going after the eight bit and sixteen bit games, and then there are like the 17 year old 17 to like 25 year old kids who their idea of retro games are 
PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 games. Hmm. And so it's funny to see some booths kind of cater to those guys. Um, I was at a talk um, where you had uh, David Crane, the guy who invented Pitfall. Yeah. And the guy who uh, programmed Pac-Man for the Atari 2600 and the guy who uh, programmed Donkey Kong and the founders of Activision Hmm. were all there at a panel. And I was sitting behind these two kids who, they like, while this panel was going on, I don't know why they were at this panel, because you, you wouldn't think, like, these two, like, 17-year-old kids would be that interested in what these 60-year-old guys have to say about programming Atari 2600 games, but they were there. And I, I was kind of looking over the shoulder at all the shit that they were going, they were kind of rummaging through their bags, just kind of showing each other all the stuff they've got. Yeah. And they were really fascinated, They like, they were really excited by the fact that they picked up a copy of Shrek for the Xbox for the first Xbox? <laughs> and they were pouring over the instruction manual. I was sitting there looking at these guys, like looking over their shoulder going, what fucking retards are these guys? That like, they come to the Portland Retro Gaming Expo and the big thing is like, it's like a literally like a, like a $3 copy of Shrek for the Xbox. <laughs> and and then the one kid brings out, I guess at one of the vendors he must have picked up, it was a Final Fantasy VII branded finger uh like finger claw like a silver claw that you put what? on your finger that and he seemed to be kind of disappointed because i thought it's, it's this whole like silver claw thing that fits over your, your index finger and he seemed to be disappointed because i think he thought it would bend like there might oh. be a hinge in the middle of the knuckles but it didn't he was kind of like oh man this sucks but <laughs> still he, i saw him kind of like kind of like like kind of making dramatic uh, gestures with this claw while in the and i remember thinking what the hell's wrong with these guys and i was like also and then I'm sitting there thinking, here I am, a fat guy, and I'm wearing a Mario hat with, a, like, a bag full of old retro games that I've bought. Like, how am I any better than these kids? Yeah. Where I'm like, yeah, and it, it's just, it, and, and meanwhile, we're all listening to a bunch of guys who are even a generation older than me talk about nerdy shit about, like, programming overflow for, like, old, like, card-reading uh, computer p- compiling machines from like 1975 and it's just like such a weird nerdy yeah. I just had this like <sighs> the moment of I don't know what the hell you'd call it yesterday self-awareness like, this is yeah it's just like man we're all fucking retarded from like one point of view or another but Foley, it was it was uh, Foley calls those uh, consciousness raising slurpy headaches <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it was yeah and but no, it, it was a good time. And like I said, yeah, it was it was really funny. This is the first time I've really been awakened to that. There's this whole retro scene for a, essentially a generation younger than me. Yeah. And uh, that that was kind of crazy. But yeah, I did. I the first booth I saw, the first first booth I saw, uh, visited that they had a whole bunch of boxed eight bit Nintendo games. Oh yeah. And I bought. We're not doing the video recording this week, but I would show it. But uh, but I bought box copies of Castlevania one and two, Super oh, wow. Mario Brothers two and three, Final Fantasy. Uh, then I bought a whole bunch of uh, loose games uh, like Super Mario Kart and Super Mario World. Well, the funny thing is, I'm really into old video games, but I actually don't own that much in the way of actual uh, video games themselves because I have a couple boxed consoles, but I don't have a lot of space to be hooking up old consoles to my TV or anything like yeah. that. And so they did have a booth at the Portland Retro Game Expo that they were selling the Retron 5, which is the new um, machine that has slots for, like, it's for the all the, uh, like, 8-bit Nintendo, the Super Nintendo, the Genesis. Mm-hmm. It can even play, like, Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games. And uh, so 
that also connects your TV through an HDMI connector. So it's almost oh, like nice. a, attaching a brand new, like a modern day console to your TV that just happens to play these old cartridges. Yeah. And so this is my first excuse to actually sit down and try to buy some of the old cartridges I used to have as a kid. That you know, the, the, probably my original versions are probably moldering in a box somewhere in my parents' basement right now. Yeah. Um, but so this is an excuse to actually buy some of these old games. And so I was playing some of that stuff last night, and man, it's just so I bought that, and I bought some, uh, I bought some artwork. There was this one booth that was selling. It was perler art. Have you seen the perler art stuff where you just get like little plastic perlers and you put oh, them yeah. together and kind of make pixel art? Yeah. What this person had done, uh, they had they made like a little shadow box, a little frame shadow boxes where they had multiple uh, sprites made from perlers kind of stacked on top of each other, so it's a little bit of a three dimensional sculptural look. Oh, that's uh, nice. Because they would have a they they would have a perler background. Then they would have Perler like enemies like layered on top of that background, hmm. and then have like the playable characters on top of the, like even on top of that little. So there's like, like they're situated on, on different planes. So it kind of, yeah, it creates this great three D effect. Oh, interesting. And so I bought a couple of those, and they look super gorgeous. And that's actually mostly what I got. But it's just I spent a couple hundred bucks. I went in there thinking at most I wanted to spend one hundred bucks. Yeah. But, oof, yeah, no. And, uh, man, there was a great moment where I was at one booth, I was kind of, like, looking for loose old games, and I found this copy of Castlevania Three, mm-hmm. and this old guy next to me, he kind of, like, he, he sees me holding this cartridge, and he's like, how much you pay for that Castlevania Three? And I was like, 20 bucks, and he kind of looks at me for a moment and goes, that's fair. <laughs> and I was like, this guy, like, I was being appraised by this guy, and he wasn't being nerdy or anything like that. He seemed like kind of like a nice guy. He, he seemed to be kind of a cool, kind of grounded kind of guy. I think he was there with his grandkids or something like that. He wasn't like all these other kind of like Asperger guys that were running around there. Man, being in line just to get into the place. You see, how, oh, it really was the biggest stereotype of what you yeah. think a bunch of Asperger's uh, comic book or uh, uh, video game people would be like. Just like, oh, just, just it was, it was kind of it was it was kind of a hot mess in terms of like the people showing up. Says the big fat dopey guy in a Mario hat who was you know running around trying to buy old video games. But uh, it was I had a great time. It was it was it was fun. I'm glad was, you had a good time, my cute. friend. Yeah, and the first thing I really did is um, they had a little couch and an old TV set up, and you could play. Uh, they they had one couch TV set up. That had uh, the 8-bit Nintendo attached, and so yeah. I sat down and played Super Super Mario Brothers. And they had an- another TV and another couch set up on the other side where they had an Atari 2600 set up. And yeah. so people were playing combat and stuff. And this is like Aww. this is taking up a giant booth space in the middle of the convention floor where you could just pretend like you know it's like n- 1989 and you're just playing old video games again on this couch Aww. with like a little lamp and a little shag carpeting and all that stuff. Aww. And uh, yeah, well, I'm glad you can go expo. home again. Yeah, for a brief. Well, the best thing, too, because that was literally the first thing I did when I walked through the door. So no one had else, else had even used this stuff yet. And as soon as I sat down, they started blasting old 80s hair metal <laughs> over the loudspeakers while I was playing. So I was sitting there, like, playing Super Mario Brothers while, like, ah, uh, fucking, like, uh, Queensryche was playing over the speakers. And yeah. It was, like, like, a little slice of, like, 1989. <laughs> it, was, it was good times, but... Uh, there was a shitload of people there. Yeah. Uh, I kept on hearing from everyone who had been to the convention before that it seemed like there was at least, like, double as many people there as there had been just even last year. Huh. Um, just getting in, um, I bought a ticket in advance, and just the line to collect your advance ticket, because the doors opened up for advance ticket holders now before everyone else, mm-hmm. and I didn't get into the convention hall until about 
that hour was up because oh, it really? took that long for everyone to f- uh, file in because the line went from it was held in the same space that uh uh Fro City Comic Con was held in. Sure. But the line went from the front door all the way up, all the way to the front door of the convention center. Oh wow. And yeah, it took about it took almost about an hour for everyone to file into the convention center, but it was it was a shitload of people. Sounds but like it. It was a good well, time. Yeah, Portland Retro Gaming Expo, thumbs up. Phil, I'm so glad you had a good time with your video games. Yeah. And I saw Leland too, our friend Leland, which oh, I hadn't yeah. seen him forever. He was like the second guy in line. <laughs> I don't know if they camped out there overnight or what, but yeah. Well, oh, Bill, I'm so glad you had a good time with your video games. Meanwhile, I'm uh, I'm still the only game I really played this week was uh, Wasteland Two. I've officially gotten to a part uh, to the point in Wasteland Two where I crash every 15 minutes. Like my game Whoa. just drops out, or if I load a save file, like the textures will start glitching out. And uh, is like, this really... a problem other people have had? I, you know, it's, I don't know if anybody else is having buggy issues with the game because I haven't really looked around online, but it's just like, it's kind of funny because basically what it makes me do is stop playing after about, um, 30 or 45 minutes, which is not Which doesn't sound like a bad idea. That seems like a decent gaming session. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Yeah. it's really funny. I am enjoying the game once I, once I figured out what it is as opposed to what I wanted it to be, I'm having a good time with it, but, uh. you're, You're kind of disappointed with the game? Uh. No, I, I just said I'm having a good time with it once I figured out the kind of game I wanted it to be. Or it is, as opposed to what I wanted Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't know what your expectations versus what the reality was. Oh, no, I was just thinking that it was going to be about, like, my character in the world and the kind of person that my character is, as opposed to a cypher sort of thing. Oh, okay, and okay, okay, yeah. All my kids, yeah, all my, I've talked about this, all the other player, all my um, uh, party characters are kind of cypherous too, and it's just, it's fine, yeah. I'm, I'm having a good time with it, but, um, anyway. Yeah, when when Dylan was hitting me up for uh, Steam game recommendations, that's one of the things I recommended, and she was like, but I, she was asking me if it was like super gross or violent or anything. I was like, I have no idea. I mean, Annie's down with it, but I don't know how fucked up. Man, she asked me if she should play uh, Dragonfall or a uh, Shadowrun Dragonfall. I hope she'd picked it up because that's a fun, fun game that well, she would enjoy. Especially Dylan was looking for. She wanted stuff that was either uh, turn-based or you know, role, like RTS games or mm-hmm. you know, role-playing games. She didn't want anything that was too action-oriented. And, and I, uh, so I, I recommended playing, Banner uh, Saga. I, I saw that she... Oh, man. Banner Saga is way too difficult. Way too difficult. You think so? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it was almost too difficult for me. And I well, actually she's played... like, I want something that's turn-based. And I was like, well, fucking, I got Fire Emblem here. You just borrow my 3DS. And she's like, I hate the way the 3DS screen looks. That <laughs> that thing looks like shit. And I was like, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but, uh... uh I saw that she's been playing Gabriel Knight, which I forgot that Sins of the Father was getting a high-res remake sort of thing. I When she told me that she was playing that, too, I thought she was just playing the old version. I didn't realize they had come out with a remake. Yeah, I, I can't... I don't know if I can bring myself to replay it just because, A, you can't go home again, and B... That game is so, like, the pixels and everything is so part of it. In the original version back in the yeah. day, Gabriel Knight was voiced by Tim Curry. <laughs> Tim Curry doing a terrible, a terrible uh, Louisiana accent. It's so hilarious. Uh, Would you pull the, like, so is, so he's not in the new version? I don't know. But to me, it's like, it's Tim Curry's dumb accent plus the pixels. That's what it is when I think about it. Like, the pixel portraits and everything. Seeing that all in 3D. 
I don't know. I'll be curious My to only... see if they try yeah. to remake the sequel, because the sequel was a full motion video game. Oh, really? I actually... Just, you, you have Justin McElroy produce and star in it. That's what you That's do. That's it. The, I can't remember much about the sequel other than the climax of it involves a werewolf opera. So maybe that would what? be up Dylan's, Dylan's alley. Is it just, uh, are the lyrics just a woo, a woo, a woo, a woo? The idea is that it's a Las Wagner opera. So it's, there is actually an opera sequence in there. It's nuts. It's nuts. No, yeah, because doesn't it take place in a German castle? Like a big pretty... Yeah, it's... I've people, yeah. It's in, it takes place in, what's his butt? The fairy tale castle. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, that, yeah, that's how I know about that castle because I've here. I've never played Gabriel Knight, but I've heard people talk about the game that it's got Tim Curry and that castle. Yeah. Well, the sequel doesn't have Tim Curry. It's some. I, yeah, because Tim Curry was like, I, I'm sorry, I have to go be in the in the haunted. Wait, what's what's? What is it? The, the last witch is that he's in? What? What's what's? He was in a Halloween TV special. That people make fun of, because, like, he's got a whole song and dance number, like, anything can happen on Halloween. That's why he wasn't in Gabriel Knight, too, because he, he, he had to go do that, that, that dance scene. Of course. You never seen this clip that I'm talking about? No. Like, it's badly blue-screened, and it's obviously not even blue-screened. It's, like, like a chroma key video effect from, like, 1989, where he's all, like, we're dancing in front of a full moon and stuff, and I, is it called the, or maybe it's the worst witch. Anyway, people listening uh, to the podcast have to let me know which what thing I'm talking about. I thought that was like a known thing. I thought it was like of your generation that you would know what I'm talking about. Nope. Nope. Uh, uh, but. Have you ever seen It? Fuck no. Okay. Why would I same. ever see It? It's got Tim Curry. That's <laughs> it's not a reason why I would see It. And I forgot how your favorite move, your favorite fantasy film is Ridley Scott's Legends starring Tim Curry. Woof. Uh, no. the only thing I did watch this week was my wife and I watched all of season five of The Great British Bake Off. What a great oh, show Oh, did you watch is. the whole thing? Yeah, we finished it yesterday. That is 15 hours! The great or that, British no, Bake that's Off at least 10 hours. It's a great show. It's interesting because our, we were, a friend of the podcast, Maxwell Motley, introduced it to us while she was in, uh, America. And uh, actually, at one point, introduced to Bill, and Bill hooked it up, hooked us up with it. It's a amazing, like, supportive, non-threatening, kind of more collaborative, competitive reality show. Oh yeah, I was trying to explain to my housemate why I like it so much, and he hadn't seen it. He just like it. He was because he had heard you guys. He had heard us watching the episode of Great British Bake Off that we would watch when you guys were here last Sunday, and he was like, "What the fuck are you guys watching?" Some kind of because he could hear us like freaking out about the words great british bake-off he's like what the fuck was that <laughs> and so i was trying to explain to him like why we liked that one episode so much i was like but everyone's nice to each other and they actually help each other out and there's no like there's none of that like i'm all, i'm not here to make friends bullshit yeah it's just the quaintest cutest little goddamn i could see the way that's the most popular show in britain right now cute shit max is saying how she was so glad that we got to watch it without all of like the bullshit like tabloid like gossip around it and i'm like yeah. how is there tabloid gossip around the great british bake-off it's all yeah that's just kind of counterintuitive i just want to know who chetna is sleeping with <laughs> and like but no um... great british bake-off is so good highly recommend uh, y'all uh it's hard to find here in the states but you can find an episode or two, or two uh, uploaded to youtube it's some good shit uh, i feel bad now i didn't realize you guys would get into it that much otherwise i would have not 
shown you guys the last episode first because <laughs> that kind oh, of spoils you the how who's gonna win but it's yeah. definitely a show that's more about the baking and the, the drama baking. of the moment and all that shit also so. the bonerific uh werewolf host oh man we're we're, we're on the paul train fully and i are both yeah the like, paul train the paul hollywood mm, yeah bitch. and uh mm. who's the lesbian host i'll cut the crust off his loaf Wow. <laughs> the lesbian uh, host would, is what's your name? Sue, Sue Perkins is great. Sue uh, Perkins, yeah. The, we uh, fully also watched. Uh, Sue Perkins did a show called Heading Out that was just uh-huh. like a one a one series thing on BBC. They, she didn't get commissioned for a second one. That's about her. She's a veterinarian and she is trying to come out to her parents. It's very they're very like cute. Yeah, they're like thirty five. So. Oh, that's super goddamn cute. cute Thing. But anyway, yeah, so uh, yeah, you you would give Paul Hollywood a good bake. That's right. Good color, good I'd, bake. Uh, I'd let him. I'd let him rest. I'm just Is it horrible wow. if I want to just uh, if I just want to bang the living shit out of Mary Berry, <laughs> or more specifically, I want her to bang the shit out of me? And with that, everybody, we're gonna take a little break, and then we'll be back for the Geek Week in review. Scrumptious, very scrumptious. Well, it's a marvelous night for a moon dance With the stars up above in your eyes A fantabulous night to make romance Need the cover of October skies You know the leaves on the trees are falling To the sound of the breezes that blow You know I'm trying to please to the calling Of your heartstrings that play soft and low You know hey, Man, I made the mistake while you're going to the bathroom of looking up just custom minifigures on Bricklink because I've really never looked at Bricklink before until literally just this afternoon. Uh, I saw that for some reason they have a shitload of Indiana Jones custom minifigures, and I realized it's not because there's literally more uh, Indiana Jones custom minifigures than almost anything else. It's mostly because it's not because they're creating Indiana Jones figures as much as it's all these customized Nazi minifigures. Yeah. Which is really goddamn weird, but then at the same time, I'm like, I have that Parisian restaurant. I've been thinking about something special I could do with it. I was thinking about kind of putting Star Wars Cantina characters in there, and I'm like, what if you did, like, an Indiana Jones, like, Nazi occupation Parisian restaurant? <laughs> that is the stupidest thing to think about, but part of me is like, I could do that. There are a lot of people who are into, like, historical war bullshit with Legos. Which is funny because like part of me was thinking, oh my god, that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? But of course the first thing my head pops into is like, but I could make, yeah, Nazi-occupied uh-huh. Parisian restaurant. Um, well, also, actually, if I wanted to, uh, I, I could also, it's, instead of even specifically Indiana Jones, it could be a Casablanca Nazi-Parisian yeah. restaurant. Uh, maybe in the artist loft upstairs, I could have uh, Rick and Elsa, like, watching the Nazis stomp in and just like, I don't know. Yeah. Um... This right, is ridiculous, friend. though. There's an Indiana Jones, when you actually look up the Indiana Jones custom minifigure uh, thing, there's literally just one uh, custom Indiana Jones of minifigure of Indiana Jones wearing his little professor Creighton professor suit, but he's got five o'clock shadow. Literally everything else is just Nazi soldiers. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. So, man, Lego fandom, you are so fucking weird, but great. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what else? I guess we're recording the podcast. I guess we're back from Bill, break. I'm in the middle of eating right now. If you put this in the podcast, I'll kill you. Why? What are you eating? Oh, it's only terrible if you're eating something bad. Did I tell you about how I had Lunchables again? 
Meryl, hold on a second. <laughs> well, th I, this is this is my one-man stand-up routine. Well, I had all the junk food that I bought for, you know, I was going to have uh, Maxwell Motley eat, which you keep on talking about every goddamn week. But two of the things, I bought two Lunchables, because I wanted her to see what her reaction to Lunchables would be. And so, of course, like, she didn't eat them, so I had them for, like, a late-night snack last week. Man, Lunchables are terrible, but, oh, man, those, like, little, like... Dylan and I were, we were having this conversation about how meat can be sometimes be really gross if yeah. it's got, like... Especially, she was talking about she had like a like like a ham sandwich somewhere downtown, and she was on like I'm lucky enough to get like ham from this place that uses like all natural like recently butchered ham. So it was kind of this gray slab of meat with like gristle and stuff in there. And we were talking about how great it is sometimes. Like what you really do want is like super processed, color injected meat. So you yep. kind of forget it's from an animal, but it's like that idealized thing. And I started talking about how like the meat the, the little discs of ham inside of a lunchables is like this perfect like pink little glossy disc yep and it's like kind of the ideal like like lunch food ham kind of thing and yeah i don't know i'm just saying that shit was like it's it's terrible but delicious i'm glad you had a transcendent lunchable experience bill oh god yeah this is this is man do they have haunted house lunchables on ebay let's look Hey everybody, welcome back. It's time for the Geek Week in Review. This is, of course, the part of the podcast where I read uh, notes from the week that was. The bill has written, and this is my first time, in some cases, learning these things and definitely reading them. Um, yeah, I always year. mean to take more advantage of the situation than I do, but... <laughs> uh, let's start off with a 15-foot-tall, 90-year-old plaster sphinx from the silent film version of the Ten Commandments was discovered in the California desert. What? Yeah, so I guess, so this is the, well, Cecil, I guess Cecil B. DeMille made two versions of the Ten Commandments. He did, like, a silent version, like, 1923, and then 30 years later, he did, you know, the, the one with um, uh, Planet of the Apes. Yes. That always gets shown at, at, at Easter every year. Um, but, yeah, so I guess, uh, you know, they had, like, 20 giant, 15-foot-tall sphinxes, plaster sphinxes that they built out in the California desert as part of the... Uh, Egypt set, and instead of, like, I guess the rumor was that they had just dynamited everything and buried it all under, like, in a, in a big pit when, when filming was done, and it turns out they didn't even do that, they just left the sets, the set standing, so the desert dunes just kind of came in and covered everything up, huh. yeah, and they just discovered, uh, the, uh, the sphinxes just recently, and so there was all these pictures, which is funny to see pictures of this excavation of sphinxes, not real sphinxes, but they are kind of like turning into an archaeological expedition of uncovering these fake sphinxes from only ninety years ago. That's too funny. Uh, but it's crazy to think all these like like almost hundred year old uh, statues, like plaster statues, which were only designed to last like maybe yeah. two or three weeks of filming, um, that you're just kind of preserved in the sand, just like you know, almost like real sphinxes out in the desert and. Yeah, it was reading about their steps to kind of preserve the sphinxes are crazy because they I guess they were just made out of hollow plaster. Yeah, I was gonna say plaster. And, I'm surprised there's anything left. Yeah, that's what they're kind of talking about. Is that uh, well, some of the sphinxes are more fucked up than others, but in order to preserve the sphinxes, what they're doing as they're uncovering the sphinxes, they're also uh, trying to suck out all of the sand that have gotten inside the sphinxes and replacing it with like an expanding foam. So at least like there's less chance of the sphinxes just collapsing under, under their own weight and stuff like that, but I don't know how much of that stuff they're actually going to be able to preserve, because it's 90-year-old plaster that's been in the desert. And also, yeah. 
I mean, it's a little piece of film history, but at the same time, Who like, what are you going to do with a 15-foot half-rotten <laughs> sphinx that you just pulled in from the desert? But, yeah. Um, that's just just a weird little bit of film history, the yeah. fact that all that stuff, like, this whole huge set was out there just buried underneath the sand. Huh. Uh, speaking of, you know, Indiana Jones kind of stuff. But, Movie uh, magic. Fake, fake archaeology. Yeah. Ooh. Movie magic. It's beautiful. That's right. Man. Tech Mammoths. Those movies are fucking terrible. At the New York Comic Con, Brad Bird confirmed he was in talks to direct episode 7. Sounds like he was on board until filming was pushed from next year up to this past summer, at which point he had to pull out to finish Tomorrowland. Yeah, man. So they think that Brad Bird could have been the first guy to direct a new Star Wars movie. That would have been pretty fucking cool. Man. Man. Well, I wonder if they already talked about him doing, like, the first Star Wars movie. Why didn't they just say... I mean, I would imagine that. I mean, they already have what's his face lined up for the second one. Ryan Johnson. God, why would he not direct the third one? Just bring him back in. That'd be for, for the perfect way to wrap up this new trilogy. Is fucking Brad Bird put his ass in charge of it? He's already he, established that he's really good at directing the third installment of a trilogy or of a wait, franchise. So, wait, what did he do? Didn't he do uh, Mission Impossible Three? Did he? No, that was J.J. Abrams. Oh, excuse me. Did Brad Bird did Mission Impossible yeah, 4? He did, he did Ghost Protocol, which was 4? Yeah, I guess. Anyway. Yeah, he did 4. That's the one with... Uh, yeah. Then, so, excuse me, my John joke Wu should be... John needs to direct the, th- the last Star Wars movie, then. My joke should route. be that he's really good at following up J.J. Abrams in a franchise. <laughs> there you go. Okay, that's what it is. Well, that's the other thing. Is J.J. Abrams already has that thing where his whole thesis in making movies is let special people be special. And who's more special than, you know, a Jedi Knight who's trying to put together, like, the Jedi Order and fix the galaxy? There you go. Um, but yeah, no, it, I, it was funny that he just came out and said, yeah, I could have directed Star Wars, but I was busy with Tomorrowland. Yeah. I was too busy making a movie about sexy, a sexy Disney starring George Clooney. <laughs> Uh, related news, a massive leak of some supposed Episode 7 concept art came out. Did you see or hear anything about this stuff? No, remember how we've had a conversation a couple of times, how I want to know as little as possible about Episode 7? Oh, uh, yeah, we just talked about that last week. Okay, I'm glad <laughs> I didn't put any specifics, so I can't really say anything about this, huh? Uh, I had, uh, we had uh, friends of the podcast, Jimmy and Conley, over uh, a couple of nights ago, and they were complaining about some supposed stuff, and I'm like, you know what? Uh, the best thing that can possibly happen is I'm pleasantly surprised about a Star War, but I'm not holding my breath. What were they complaining about? I asked them not to be specific because I was trying to keep as unspoiled as possible. Really? Which is impossible, so, but yeah. Suppo- well, supposedly one of the main characters, Daisy Ridley, she's a lady. Supposedly she, they just have her dressed like Bayonetta for most of the movie. <laughs> and, that, and by me, not like, not like, she. they actually like talk to like Sega and they're like, we're just gonna use it. We're gonna have her. We're gonna put laser gun in her, laser guns in her boots. And she's just gonna dance around. In other news, uh, <laughs> HBO announced this week that they were going to be uh, doing HBO Go as a separate subscription service. Annie, I love you. you're just not gonna put up with my bullshit. I like it. You're not. You, you rarely push back against me, but I love it when you're just like, you know what? I'm just gonna let Bill just like twiddle. And, and like just 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 essentially just like fiddle with himself while no one else is looking and just ignore that's happening. <laughs> that's pretty much my plan. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah, HBO so, yeah, Go. HBO Go. Yeah. Um, there was something about. I think I misinterpreted this. Uh, just I think even just yesterday there were some leaks about how HBO Go is coming to the Xbox One. For a moment, I thought that meant 
that they were like this was an announcement that like this version of HBO Go was coming to the Xbox One. It sounds like I don't think there's this is just HBO Go in general, just that app that is already on all the other consoles, yeah. just coming to the consoles. But yeah. that's I I would imagine one of the first things they'll probably do is make this 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 HBO Go that doesn't require uh, an HBO subscription available on. I mean, it should, should only take a software update to make it so that we can watch that shit on our consoles. Well, it's just um, going to be like a login. That's all it is now. You just log in. Well, I wonder, account. do you think they're going to make it so you have to pay for all of HBO? Like, is it going to be like an app subscription then? Or do you think you'll be able to pay for individual uh, series? I imagine it's going to be an app subscription. Because it, it they're not interested in selling you components. They want to sell you the whole meal deal. I wonder if they'll make it cheap like Netflix. Is it just going to be ten bucks a month? Or I wonder if they're going to like try to. I wonder if they're so used to cable subscription prices if they're going to make it like fifty bucks a month. But you don't need an HBO subscription, even though that's essentially what it costs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, I would, I would totally, I would love to. Pay, I, I would assume this is going to definitely happen before Game of Thrones comes back next year because that mm-hmm. that is their big, uh, the, the show right now. So I would, I would imagine by March we'll, we'll finally get this, but. Yeah, I would love to actually pay for HBO content if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, that's just kind of interesting, especially just even even like two years ago, HBO was saying how they would never ever do this. Yeah, it's funny how quickly they turned from like, no, that's crazy. That our, our entire model is based off of cable subscriptions to, yep, we're doing it. Just yeah, give us a couple months. Yeah, so. it's just an interesting. It just kind of speaks to how uh, the ingestion of media is changing in the modern. So era. HBO, would that mean you only get? Sh- HBO Go, can you watch anything from HBO? Pretty much, yeah. Really? Because I would, because I would love to watch like some movies. Like it would be yeah. nice to have HBO again. Because I'd, I'd be down with watching like some really good documentaries. Yeah, yeah. Of course, my idea of HBO. I haven't watched HBO in twenty years, so I'm thinking about what HBO was like twenty years ago, where it's like Dream On and Real Six Twenty Eight. And all that shit, yeah. It's not, I mean, it's not complete. It's like any streaming service where it's like certain chunks of their back catalog, but they've got yeah. some good shit on there. Yeah, I had to, I was, uh, I had borrowed a friend's HBO Go account for a while there and I was having a good time with it. Yeah, uh, a good time. In other news, there's going to be a Lego Batman movie, and the guy who made the Night at the Museum movies has been hired to make a Minecraft movie. Night at the Museum is making the Minecraft movie. Jesus Christ. How do you make a Minecraft movie? Well, the same thing he's going to say. How do you make a Lego movie? I wonder if every... I wonder if it's going to be some kind of meta thing just like the Lego movie. Or... <sighs> the guy who made the Night... I'm just hoping that the guy who made the Night in the Museum movies had such an amazing pitch for the Minecraft movie that like they were like, oh, how can we not do this movie? But... <laughs> Oh, God. Night in the Museum. Not to besmirch the good name of the Night in the Museum movies. <laughs> but, oh, anyway. But, yeah, Lego Batman, that could be kind of cool. Ooh, I don't know. That. I'm curious because half the pleasure of that character was that he was a, not even a secondary, but, like, even a tertiary character. Yeah. Having him front and center, it'll be interesting. Well, also, there's already so much... Like, so much culture is kind of batman out right now. It's kind of yeah. like, how much more Batman do we need? Even well, the point is, is that this is, a, this is kind of a reaction to popular conception of Batman. So, you know. I know. And this gives, this gives what's-his-name, more money. Will Arnett? Yeah, even though he can't spend it on, on anniversary gifts with Amy Poehler no more. Uh, let's him play Maybe pay this means... child support. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, this means he gets double the child support. Yeah, the, the, the payments to Amy Poehler, which is always a good thing. Bill's next note on the Geek Week in Review is enigmatic. 
I am bread, says Bill. Do you know not do you know not what this means? No. Annie, Google I am bread. I'll I'll have to sing a song while you're Googling it and looking at what this actually is. Oh, is this the bread game? Did you actually hear about what the yeah, did you hear about the game though? I yeah. had seen I had seen animated gifs of this in development. So really you've seen all you need to know of I Am Bread, yeah. So this is the next game from the uh Surgeon Simulator guys. Wow. In which you're just a piece of bread just doing you're stuff. A piece of bread? Yeah, you're just a piece of bread. That's the game. <laughs> Rolling around. The best thing is each limb is attached like to a, bu- a controller, a button on your controller. So yeah, it's, just... it's it's sort of reminiscent of Octodad to some degree. Yeah, I think the only the only goal in the game is to get yourself inside the toaster to toast yourself. What's <laughs> well, cool? But yeah, yeah, you've got this whole house you can run around and do stuff in. So. Bless, that's amazing. Also, just the name of the game, I am bread. Oh, that's so good. I yeah. love indie shit. My God! Video games, bless. I love we live in this era. Oh, did I tell you? Uh, do you have any interest in hearing about uh, Sleepy Dogs on the PlayStation Four? That's the only kind of normal game I've been playing. Are you enjoying Real game Sleepy Dogs playing. on the PS Four? Uh, Annie, I'm gonna blow your mind, but Sleepy Dogs on PS Four is just uh, it's uh, Sleeping Dogs on PlayStation Four. Mm-hmm. It does not look any better than the original game. Uh, I actually went on to NeoGAF to see what other people's opinions. I hadn't seen any reviews of this port, which I was really surprised by. People pointed out supposedly there were graphical effects in the original uh, Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 version of the game that aren't in this version. Like, I guess there's a scene, there's a dance club where there's some kind of like lighting effects and some kind of dances that the characters had in the old version of the game that they don't have in this new one. Yeah. So I don't know if it's because of it was a rushed port or something like that, but people are like, why is there actually like less detail in some of these scenes in this new version than there was in the old one? It's still fun. You just run around punching dudes. And stuff. I, I really but, enjoy man, Sleeping Dogs. Man, playing a shadow... I, man, Sleepy Dogs, because I've played the shitload of Forza, which is a really good racing game, and Shadow of Mortar, which is a really good combat game, right before playing Sleepy Dogs, which is mostly like driving and combat. And the combat and the driving is not nearly as good as in these two other games in which driving and combat is the whole point of those games. Uh, not to say there's anything wrong with Sleepy Dogs, but I kind of picked the wrong moment to play yeah. Sleepy Dogs again. I can understand that. Um, combat is really me, frustrating. It took um, me a while to pick up the accent of the, the, the game, but then I enjoyed speaking fluently with it. I'll just say that. Wei Shen is pretty fun. I love I like Wei the characters Shen. in the game. Wei Shen. Wei Shen is a pretty good, uh, pretty ace uh, inter- entrance in the uh, the video game pantheon. So I'm fine what? with that. Which especially because you don't see too many uh, uh, hunky Asian dudes in video games. They're always like, if you have an Asian dude in a video game, it's usually some kind of like you know super like stereotype Asian because it's a Western game, or he's like got tiny little Final Fantasy pants on. Um, I really like Wei Shen. He's such a good beast. He fills fills out a tank top nicely. Uh, so is that, how did you dress your way shirt? I'm assuming tank top, huh? Uh, mostly, yeah, or like just okay. tattooed and shirtless. Or there is a point at some point where you get the um, uh, there's some really good. I I, I wish the fashion was a little more robust in Sleep Dogs. Uh, yeah, there's I was some pretty good about outfits that. you get later on in the game that I did enjoy. I can't remember what our Wei Shen wore. Maybe it's DLC, but I think he there's a picture on the back of the box that he's got a giant straw hat, like one of the boxers. characters from uh, like the bad guys from Big Tro, uh, little. Big Trouble in Little China. 
which I like kind of like the giant, not like the triangular pyramid hats, but like the big like wicker basket hats, which I would love to run around uh, like trying to steal cars and stuff like that. We're running, wearing a hat like that. Uh, well, I, I have I you guys. Have... Been, speaking of which, have you guys been playing Shadow of Mortar or Destiny? No. No. Nope. Okay, I might. <laughs> I might have to borrow those. I could I could give them back to you. I, I don't know. Shadow of Mordor, I'm just, uh, it hasn't sunk its teeth into me yet. I, I'm curious about it, but I'm just, I don't know. At the very least, I'll probably give you Destiny back. So. Oh, anyway. but then again, uh, Korra comes out on Tuesday. This Tuesday, I think, yeah. It's the Legend of Korra downloadable game from the Platinum guys. Speaking of Bayonetta. Yeah. Um, I think next week, does something come out next? Oh, man. But, like, Assassin's Creed and all that stuff, that doesn't come out until next month, right? It comes out in November, yeah. I thought there was at least one game coming out on the 28th. Anyway, I'm going to shut up. I'll let you read the, the show notes. Uh, well, the Halo Collection coming to Xbox One will have a 20 gigabyte day one update, which people have pointed out is larger than many whole games. Yeah, that's that's goddamn crazy. How do you My house. 20 gigabyte day one update. Where I live, we have Comcast, and Comcast has imposed a 200 gigabyte bandwidth cap for us for any given month. So this will take up an entire, in one goddamn Master Chief Collection update, will take up a tenth of our bandwidth of the month. What the hell is on the disc? <laughs> That's what people, uh, so I guess Microsoft put out a PR, and the way their PR uh, press release was phrased about this, they kind of made it sound like it's all of the multiplayer. Wait, that's literally saying, Halo. <laughs> that's most of Halo, so you are kind of downloading most of what you want to play on this, like, is coming down a hole. Like, and they're like, well, th th it's coming on a Blu-ray that already holds 50 gigs. Like, what the hell is on that? And, well, I guess um, they hired a new, like, they hired the Blur Studio, which does a lot of full motion CGI cutscenes for video games. They did all the crazy, like, Knights of the New Republic cutscenes and... Like, pretty much if, at E3, if you see a crazy pre-rendered CGI cutscene, it's usually this studio blur that d does all that stuff. Um, that they hired these guys to kind of remake a lot of the cutscenes for some of the games in the collection. And that actual, that data by itself may have taken up a lot of data on the disc. So, it's just, it sounds like you might be, when you buy that Halo collection, you're really buying a DVD of cuts, remade cutscenes from the games. And yeah. then you're actually kind of downloading the game later. Sounds like so. it. Jesus oh, Christ. video games. Video games. You can't do this. This is not a good way to... Ugh, especially as, as companies are getting more draconian with their bandwidth caps. You can't be pulling shit like this. I saw... I think they announced uh, just uh, this weekend, too, that I think GTA Five for the new consoles are going to... That's going to be a 50-gig game, too. That, that I think that's official now. That is that is going to be the officially the, the biggest video game out there that you can download to consoles. 50 gigs. Woof. Um, woof, yeah. So, anyway, what's up? Speaking of Draconian, Robert Redford will star in a remake of Pete's Dragon? Did you know that there was a remake of Pete's Dragon? No! I, yeah, and I, my joke was hopefully it's directed by Clint Eastwood if you're just gonna have old people involved in Pete's Dragon. Oh my god. Could you imagine, like, a super gritty, like, remake of, of Pete's Dragon where it's all, like... We're, we're old. We're dying. <laughs> if Robert anything Redford. needs a gritty upgrade, it's definitely Pete's Dragon. 
do you think it's going to end with uh, Robert Redford and, and Dragon going out like bl- Blaze of Glory at the end? Wait, do you think Robert Redford will not be the Dragon? No, I think oh. he's... Isn't it Pete's Dragon? Isn't there like an old sea captain that they hang out with? I'm assuming he's going to play like the old sea captain guy. I cannot remember. You're officially asking me Do you think he's playing Pete's, Pete's Dragon? All I remember in Pete's Dragon is Pete and the Dragon, and there's like a woman and her two henchmen that are kind of reminiscent of the villains in Goonies. This is how my brain remembers this. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, that's all I remember from Pete's Dragon. Yeah, all I remember is the dragon itself, and it takes place like in some kind of like... Isn't it like a lighthouse? Isn't it like some coastal like shit? Like, Congratulations, you remember more about Pete's remember? dragon than I do. No, it's great though. If it's actually like... They don't even try to update the dragon. It's the same damn dragon. <laughs> it's just like he's been hanging out. He's been sleeping for a hundred years. Now he's just kind of back up and like, Hey, how you doing, Robert Redford? Let's go. Where's Pete? Uh, Pete's what if been Robert dead Redford for 20 is years. adult Pete? Oh, that'd be crazy. Oh, man. Which, the thing, thinking about that brings me back to the Brad Bird stuff about uh, Hogarth Hughes in Vietnam. Hogarth Hughes in um, Vietnam. Yeah. I just want to tweet every day at Brad Bird. Just Hogarth Hughes in Vietnam? Question mark, question mark. Just Do to it. see what he says about that. You know? Yeah. What are we getting in that goddamn movie? Um. <laughs> And what, finally, They Might Be Giants are bringing back their dial-a-song service next year. Do you care about They Might Be Giants? They were they were one of my favorite bands when I was a wee bairn. And uh, yeah, They Might Be Giants, back in as far back as the 80s, they had an answering machine where you could call in and they would record songs straight onto tape on the answering machine and you could hear a song by They Might Be Giants. And they kept this going well into the digital age. They have a dial-a-song website, though granted it's just randomly generated MP3s. When they oh, it is? It okay, and, uh, I was just reading last night. Yeah, they they had that service going up until like 2006. Yeah, very very recently. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, bless. So it's coming back. So they're just they said for all of 2015. So it doesn't sound like it's indefinite. But I'm assuming that just means that they just spent like the last year cooking up 52 li- little songs that they could update their. Uh, so also so they're supposedly trying to get the original phone number back. <laughs> but since they let the phone number lap lapse, I think they found out that some other musicians claimed the phone. I don't know if, like, these other guys are also doing their own dial-a-song thing with their, uh, They Might Be Giants' old phone number, but... That's pretty funny. Uh, it's funny to hear them trying to, like, reclaim their old phone number, so everyone... I don't know. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, I just, They Might Be Giants... What's a good They Might Be Giants They Might Be Giants song? I need that for the podcast. What's a good They Might Be Giants song? What isn't a good... Yeah, what's... What is a good name of a giant song? They're all good. Uh, I don't know. There are some pretty. Cl- there are some clunkers. Oh yeah. Well, no. But uh, let me think. My favorite thing might be giant songs are, of course, in simple, not Constantinople. That's a classic. Yeah, um, Constantinople. Okay. I really like some. I like. I tend to like their horn songs. Like one of my favorite version. They might be giant songs is actually a live version of their song, "A Museum of Idiots." I used to be a big They Might Be Giants fan back in the day. One of my clearest memories of playing video games is um, sitting in our entryway where we had a shitty little TV with our Super Nintendo hooked up to it, listening to my um, cassette tape of Flood playing Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo. Oh, man. Yeah. Now we know what we're doing for your birthday next year. That's right. Well, that's one of the things yesterday, like, right before I actually headed out to the Portland Retro Game Expo yesterday, I was trying up a list of, like, games, if I see them for cheap, I should pick up. And one of the things when I was thinking, oh, well, if I pick up a Retron 5, what Super Nintendo game should I get? And one of the two things I was like, 
Super Mario World and Donkey Kong Country, and I know yeah. you're like you have you're you have like a lot of nostalgia for those two games, so that's why I actually sent you an email saying, "Hey, Annie, if there's if I find anything, would you like anything?" Just th think about those two games in particular. Not that you have anything to play those games on, but yeah, I broke much to my sister's chagrin. I broke our family to Super Nintendo. Yeah, I how did you break that again? Oh, it just it came apart. It's a long story. But, uh, yeah, no, oh, wait. I'm, glad, I'm yeah. glad you had a good time with it. I'm glad you had a good I'm time saying, with it. I'm if you ever want to play Donkey Kong Country on the big screen again, I, I could hook you up, because I got that shit that actually hooks up to a TV. Man, that's the other thing about playing this Retron 5 stuff, just doing a little bit I played last night. Man, there's a big difference between playing, like, old 8-bit and 16-bit Nintendo games on, like, you can emulate that stuff on a laptop, yeah. Yeah. or play it, like... Like, you can play those, like, on a 3DS or something like that, or on a Vita, like, like, like the old Final Fantasy games. Yeah. But, man, playing that shit, like, on a TV with an actual controller, that's, that's, yeah. that's all the difference, man. That's true enough. It's, that's, that's I was playing some Super Mario World last night on the TV with this real Super Nintendo controller. I was like, this actually feels like playing a real video game again, whereas, yeah. like, playing in an emulator or something like that, it's, you know, it's an approximation, but... Exactly, yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, it's a simulation anyway. of home as opposed to home. So, I can yeah. understand. All right, my friends, as always, this was the Boy Hattie Podcast. At Boy Hattie Podcast is our handle on the Twitters. HowDeepBoyHattiePodcast.com is the way for you to contact us. If you're so inclined, you can leave us a review on the iTunes. We'll be back next week to talk to y'all about more pop culture garbage. I look forward to battling everyone on the pro-bending fields of the Legend of Korra game coming out this Tuesday. <laughs> That's uh, right. Anna, did you say if you're going to pick that up? I may. I'll probably okay. will. I know... I know the multiplayer is supposed to be the pro-bending arena. I don't know if that's even supposed to be online. I don't even know if the game is supposed to be any good. <laughs> it's $15, though, so at least if you splurge on it, it's not like, you know, it's not the end of the world if yeah. it's not that great. But uh, Are you going to pick up Costume Quest 2, speaking of Halloween stuff and video games? I wanna, I'm want i waiting for it to come out on consoles. Is it not going to be out this year in time for consoles? I, I don't know. I, it's out on PC, don't. Mac right now, but I want to play it on a console. Also, where's goddamn the second half of that adventure game? Oh my god. I don't know. Bye, everybody. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Annie's gotta go poop. We'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs> Love you. Istanbul is Constantinople now. It's Istanbul and Constantinople. Been a long time gone. Constantinople now. It's Turkish delight on a moonlit night. Every gal in Constantinople lives in Istanbul. Constantinople, so if you believe in Constantinople, she'll be waiting in Istanbul. Even old New York was once New Amsterdam. Why they changed it, I can't say. People just liked it better that way. So take me back to Constantinople. No, you can't go back to Constantinople. Been a long time gone. Constantinople, why did Constantinople get the works? That's nobody's business but the Turks. Istanbul. Istanbul. Istanbul, even old New York was once New Amsterdam. Why they changed it, I can't say. You just liked it better that way. Istanbul is Constantinople, now it's Istanbul, the Constantinople, been a long time gone. Constantinople, why did Constantinople get the works? That's nobody's this but the Turks.
Constantinople. No, you can't go back to Constantinople. Been a long time gone. Constantinople, why did Constantinople get the works? That's nobody's business but the Turks. Istanbul.